Torch Trust, Sight Loss 101, in conversation with Mike Townsend. Hello, I'm Tim Jeffrey, and after many years working as a leader in the charity sector, I've recently been appointed as Chief Executive of Torch Trust, which is a charity for blind and partially sighted people. And so here I am, a sighted person with very little experience of sight loss, leading a charity whose main purpose is entirely focused on people with visual impairment. So one of my first tasks is to develop a better appreciation of what it's like to be blind or to be losing your sight. And what better way than to do that, but to have conversations with a variety of people who've got different first-hand experience of visual impairment. Now, as all this is happening during lockdown, I can't actually go out and meet folk face-to-face to have those conversations. So I'm having to do it remotely via Zoom. I suspect though, that I'm not the only person who wants to learn more about what life is like with sight loss. So I thought, why don't I record these conversations and put them out as a podcast series for others to enjoy with me. So welcome to Sight Loss 101. Today, I have the great pleasure of talking with Mike Townsend, who incidentally is the chair of the board of Torch Trust. Mike, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Mike, can you give me a kind of a brief biography of your life um, and, and particularly how sight loss and, and blindness has figured in that? Oh, a brief biography. I've got many a long year, Tim. But uh, I lost my sight seriously when I was eight years old. Uh, I'd started to work as a blind child, learning maths and reading and all the funny squiggles that sighted people look at. But then I, I did have trouble with my eyes and um, they did want to improve them. So I underwent an operation. And unfortunately, the operation I've discovered since was experimental and the experiment failed. Mm. And so when I was eight years old, the sight went in one of my eyes. And as so often happens with eye issues, can then sympathetically, which is not a very good word for the process, but it makes the other eye go bad as well. So I lost the sight in the other eye. So I had to go off to a boarding school for blind and partially sighted children. And it was an absolutely dreadful place. Um, I, it was horrendous. And well, it was proved later that there were things going wrong over um, embezzling of funds and also with the children. It was a bad place. But when I got there, I knew I had to learn Braille to communicate and read and, you know, the, the squiggles were no longer available to me. So whilst I was on my back in hospital, hoping that my sight would come back, I learned to really get up to speed with Braille. And then I went to this school in Bristol and I roared through the books and I, I learned to read very easily. And I also realized I had to be able to communicate with these funny sighted people who couldn't read Braille. So I, at nine years old, went to a typing class and um, <laughs> with these 18, 19 year old secretaries and things and a mischievous young monkey learning to type on the old clattery typewriters. 
but some teachers at the school saw some benefit and ability i think in me and my determination i w i realized that the only way i could get away from this school was by passing this exam to go to this better school a nice place and i had to work to get past this exam entrance exam scholarship and things and they helped me and i do believe looking back that they were christians but they did help me and encourage me so at the age of 11 i took that examination and um, having spent most of my school year with 16 and 15 year olds and uh, up in the top classes of the school and praise god although i didn't say it at the time i actually got past the exam only seven out of a thousand probably passed the exam each year so it was a big um change and going to worcester college for the blind i've said it's like going from hell to heaven because i went out of this dreadful school to an absolutely wonderful school and i got the best education i think i could ever have had and it was for, they called it the, the school for blind sons of gentlemen <laughs> well i'm afraid my mother was a single mother not uh, a gentleman at all but she was a very far-sighted woman and this is a piece of advice that i do give to everybody involved with particularly bringing up blind children she knew that i had to survive in a sighted world and look after myself and so when i was nine she said mick don't you dare call me it but she said mickey um you've got to cook the dinner tonight and i said what what and i cooked steaklets uh peas uh, some bird's eye frozen peas and uh, mashed potatoes and she loved them and they i must say they were tasty and so she, do make sure that independence is put in to the upbringing of blind and partially sighted children. And um, I was talking to someone whose nephew just lost his sight the other day, um, and an eight-year-old, and I said, that's the same age that I lost it. Make sure that he is brought up to learn Braille, that the, the guy is a doctor. He said to me, we don't want Braille these days, we've got speech. I said, no. And 90% of those who are in successful employment as blind people use Braille. So let him learn Braille and the younger, the better. And secondly, make sure that he learns to be independent. Don't shield him from the things of life and the things that he needs to do. So I succeeded. It was a rough time because my parents split up and my father was a violent man. And But I, I suppose I was relatively shielded from that in being uh, going to a boarding school and it was a wonderful school. Last year at school, um, I, I thought the best thing in life was to make a load of money. So I thought I would go and study economics and I applied to the London School of Economics and I also applied to Cambridge. Um, and anyway, I got accepted in the places and I actually chose to go to the London School of Economics but in that last year, I thought, now, what is life all about? I'd rather rejected Christianity because I'm, I'd been a choir boy, sung the Psalms and everything in Latin and all that lot, but it meant nothing to me. And so during the teenage years, I rather rejected Christianity. But then I began to realize that there could be more to life than just getting money and getting on. And a friend of mine was a Christian. He said he knew Jesus. And he said to me, um, uh, you know, I, I 
Jesus helps me day by day. And I said, well, Peter, you know, it doesn't work for me. But as I saw the way he lived, I could see that God did make a difference in the real issues that he faced. And he left a book in Braille on the table. It was borrowed from Torch Trust for the Blind. And it was a book called Peace with God by Billy Graham. And I opened the book up and it said, this is designed to tell non-Christians what Christianity really is about. Now, I couldn't get much out of Peter. He wouldn't tell me much about it. But I read the book and I realised that actually the reason I didn't know God is because I was cut off from God because he is perfect and I'm not. And I fail in all sorts of ways. And the only way in which the, the gap can be bridged is by Jesus and his death on the cross and his shed blood for me. And that would remove the barrier. And I said to Peter roughly that, and I said, is that what it's about? He said, I couldn't have put it better, Mike. Now, being a, a bit of a scientist, I was a physicist. I did a, 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 succeeded in lots of things at school and um, physics was one of the, the ones. I thought, well, okay, there's this barrier. Is it gonna go if I commit myself to God and, and I'm gonna get in touch with God? And I don't think many people have as powerful an experience as the experience I had. It was a, a Friday night and I said to, to God, um, I know that I'm cut off from you, but you're perfect. I'm not. I realise that. I'm doing my best, but I'm not going to make it, am I? Please take away the barrier of my failure and my sin. Take it away by, through the blood of Jesus Christ. And all I can say is the barrier went and I felt an overwhelming, the presence of God filled the room and filled my body and filled my spirit. And I have had, a, in, in some ways, it, it's amazing. I, I've never, ever doubted God because of that. I've experienced God in different ways down through life. But that overwhelming first experience of the barrier going has been with me. My testimony is not historic. It's, it happens now. I can testify to things that God has done this week for me, to his glory. But I can always look back on that time. Anyway, people said to me, well, now, Mike, you've, you've become a, quote, Christian. You don't want to go off to that place, London School of Economics. I said, yes, I do. But they said, oh, it'll ruin your faith. It'll fail. And I said, well, if it's that easily ruined, let it be ruined. And I went off. It was a, a place I learned a lot. I was in London. I got a good degree. I also was able to witness and be a Christian, living with a lot of hard-bitten people, people on drugs, people who hated Christianity, atheists, communists. Um, but God helped us. And I had some friends who came to know Jesus as a result of what we were doing there. And I was in a place where people like Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, Jim Packer, um, uh, uh, Alex Mateer, um, John Stott, I could go and talk with them, have lunch with them, find out, you know, the fundamentals of Christianity. And so not only did I get a good education, but I got a good, very spiritual foundation. So I'm rattling on here, Tim. 
Well, Mike, it's fantastic. I don't, I don't want to interrupt, but we probably need to speed up just a little bit. Oh, probably. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll, we, any listeners that have got this far will be switching off soon. But it's, I'm finding it fascinating. It's always beautiful to hear somebody's life story and testimony of how God has worked in them. So, so, um, so yeah, keep going. Okay, so well, I, I did a, a good degree in economics. And the last year, I had to do e- economic stats. And I could use one of these newfangled things called a computer. So I thought, wow, uh, everyone else is using these electronic calculators. Bang, 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 bang. And they took three days to put in their what are called multiple regressions. I was doing some very deep, detailed stats. But I could punch up some cards and run them through this computery thing. And in three seconds, I'd get my results. So I could change the, 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 the patterns and the stats. They went three days doing it. I would get another one turned around two or three times a day. And I thought, wow, this is the future. Computers are the future. And I had two options leaving university. One was to become an investment banker in, in Paris. I got offered a place there. And maybe I should have taken it because investment bankers do very well, don't they? And think about my um, original aim was to make a load of money. But I had a a, a new guide dog. I love my guide dog. He was called Beetle. And he was called Beetle because he he was paid for by the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember them? (laughs) Anyway, um, so I thought uh, if if I went to Paris to work, then um, I, I, I could take the dog there but I could never bring him back into Britain. There were quarantine arrangements then. And so if it didn't work out, if I didn't like it, then I'd have to leave my dog in France and go and try and get another one and so forth. So I took the other option. I was offered um, to be a trainee computer programmer at British Gas. And I took that job in a, a big place in the West Midlands in Solihull. And I learned the programming and all my computing alongside sighted people. That's quite a novelty in those days. And I, um, I got Braille programs printed out by the full stop on the big line printers that used to print out the gas bills where they could print out my Braille scripts as well. And I progressed through that and I worked my way up and I, I learned quite a lot there at the gas board. It was great. Braille again was key. And I became a systems analyst and they used to send me and the dog out to the really awkward old gas people that didn't want to change their jobs because of those newfangled computers. And they wouldn't speak to any computer people, but I'd walk in with Beetle and they'd smile and they smile at me and I'd get them chatting. and I'd find all the information I needed out of them. So I got all the awkward jobs uh, and then I had a wonderful job my job was to, uh, having got the results, I had to write a program to control the digging of holes across the whole of the West Midlands. It worked. And we were able to control those holes. And anyway, but God was blessing me through church work as well. And I uh, praise God that I went to a church where it was a church where people had opportunity. It wasn't a church that was very rigid. So if, if you wanted to share something that God had laid on your heart or some teaching, you could just get up and do it. And um, again, all my knowledge in London and, and God use us. Uh, I used to preach and take services all across the West Midlands, about 
40 to 50 churches across the West Midlands. I'd go and preach and take services and Bible studies. I ran youth groups there and we had great fun with the youngsters and things. So that was a real growth time. Uh, but I did realise that Torch Trust was a bit old fashioned. Everything was done by hand and handcrafted. And it also needed a bit of leadership to bring it in to the 20, um, well, 20th. I think probably 20th then, wasn't it, Mike? 20th. Uh, <laughs> it's last millennium, Tim. <laughs> anyway, I, I went and um, I helped to computerize the processes, both looking after the clients and everyone involved. And then we automated the production of Braille and large print. Mm -hmm. And I was involved in writing the software and developing those processes within Torch. I was also, I ran the Torch group in Birmingham, the fellowship group, and um, was very keen to get that concept rolled out all across the UK. So I was very involved in the fellowship group development during the last half of last century. And so that was very exciting. So my areas of work were in the leadership of Torch, promoting Torch, the computerization and the technology, and also the development of the fellowship groups. And also because of other roles I had, I was a very international person. I was on the European Blind Union, and um, I also was on the board for many a long year of RNIB and Guide Dogs, the two key charities that run things for blind and partially sighted people in the UK. So I got a lot of experience in running charities big and small, and um, my consultancy work with Microsoft and uh, Google and Apple, and uh, more recently with Amazon, um, to try and help them to understand what it's like. Not to be a, a, a real whiz kid at technology, but to be blind or partially sighted, or just not understanding the jolly things very well, yeah. and to develop ways of working with technology that means that actually a lot of us can use them now and not just blind and partially sighted people but older people too and even uh, some of the things i've done have actually helped like the doctor i was talking to about his son whose nephew had lost his sight helped him to understand even something that he couldn't make <laughs> so um, i've been involved in technology and i've been an advisor to the world blind union and all of these um, technology wow. organizations. So that's my bag. Um, that's amazing. That's a very rich story. I, I wondered, so as, as I have got to know you over the last months and and uh, worked with you a little, um, I, I've wondered what, are, you know, it amazes me some of the, the things that you're able to do as a sighted person. Um, I, I am just amazed at, at you know, at, at, yeah, some of the ways in which you were able to, navigate life and, and and do things you know so well um are there things that frustrate you about your visual impairment about being blind what are those what should i know about what frustrates you so uh, there's not a lot really that frustrates me tim about being blind um I, i'm a world traveler i've been to 130 countries wow and i've got my wife with 
it, it describes everywhere, you know? Yeah. And uh, I, I really wear her out, but she gets a bit lost if she's not with me when she's visiting somewhere. She starts describing it to people. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I do miss out. I, I, I do remember seeing views before I was eight, mm. uh, like hills and lakes and forests and, and also faces and, and, and pictures, you know? I used to love, I, I used to paint, you know? And I was quite... I became a sculptor afterwards, and I've done sculptures. There's one in Birmingham Museum of my sculptures. Wow. But um, I suppose I miss seeing things like that. Yeah. But I was talking with a friend the other day, and what are the most important things? They, some people say, oh, you must want your sight back. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't particularly, you know. Mm -hmm. That may seem, ra seem rather strange. Because I, I do very well. In fact, I do better than most without it. <laughs> so, okay. Um, there's not, I, I do get very frustrated when people treat you like an idiot. Yeah. I do have a PhD. <laughs> and then when they start talking to me as if, you know, I'm right on the bottom rank of understanding stuff, I find that very frustrating. I do frustrate, find it frustrating when people ignore the standards for making things accessible. And so things that um, sh I should be able to do on the web, say, they've made inaccessible because of this crazy way that they've done it. That annoys me. And um, I, I do get upset if people talk to others about me. There's that cliche, does he take sugar? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> So do, uh, so if people sort of yeah. bypass you, that does frustrate me. But mm -hmm. me and my friend, I was talking to another friend, she, she's not worried about her sight either. We function and have done exceedingly well as totally blind people. Now, uh, there was a lady, I was in California doing some uh, work in computers and things. And I met this lady who got us, no, she was blind and she had a teenage daughter and she was working very well with JAWS, the computer and things like that, and uh, controlling her daughter extremely well, single lady, unfortunately. Then I went back a year or so later and she'd gone to pieces. She said, Mike, I got my sight back. Oh yeah, great, great, but I can't cope. Oh. And I said, oh, well, what's the problem? Well, I can't read books like I used to. My daughter runs a mock all around me. I can't hold my job down the computer. Just, I just can't see what's going on on the computer. And I said to her, well, and, and God really, I think, put this into my mind. I said, go back to doing the things that you did the blind way. Use drawers. Control your daughter in the way you used to. Look after your kitchen in the way you used to, and maybe sight can help as a supplement. But, and then I went back a year later and she was back on top of it. She says, Mike, that was the best advice you could ever have given me. Yeah, and it's all working now. Yeah. And so Mike, on the other side of the frustration coin, I wonder what you feel are the kind of particular gifts that being blind has brought to you? I suppose we have an understanding of a lot of situations. I, I don't get distracted by a lot of visual stuff. So when I'm concentrating on things, probably I might concentrate a bit more. However, if it's a boring sermon or something, I'm liable to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> because visual stimulation for you guys can keep me going. 
Yeah. So that's why I have my little braille thing sometimes. And if you see me flicking through during a boring service, that's what I'm doing, keeping myself going. <laughs> um, things like that. Um, uh, um, yeah, they, they can be okay. frustrating. Um, uh, the gifts. Uh, yeah. I can listen to a document at 600 words a minute huh. and take it in and understand it and structure it in my brain. Wow. Because I believe that the way at my, I was educated non-visually, it built different ways of processing stuff inside your head. Wow. Um, and so therefore I can hold things structurally very well in my head and I can structure things in my brain, a whole lecture and give it without notes even. Wow. So that's an advantage. Hmm. Um, I, I think I, I've got a visualization so uh, we, we've, got a, we've got a manor house that we train blind people in. I could understand where every piece of that was and without looking at it, having walked around it, whereas Edith could not imagine what was through a solid wall, whereas I could say, oh no, that's further down that level. And this is, so I, got, I, I can visualize without actually seeing. Wow. Um, I, don't, I don't know, the other, other, other advantage is I suppose as I go in with my guide dog, there's a wow factor, like with those uh, gas men, you know, they'll, but um, so. That's fantastic. Well, yeah. But, I, I wonder, you mentioned then something about what other people say to you. I, I wonder if there are particular things that sighted people tend to say um, that, that frustrate you or that you particularly kind of uh, struggle with. Okay. So, this is for all disabled people, really. The words that you use. I do not mind if you say, did you watch television last night? Or did you see this or, or whatever? I don't mind. But I, I have picked up, and the survey done by Scope shows that 75, 77% of people are reluctant to talk to disabled people because they might use the wrong words. And I find it very frustrating if people struggle around with the words, just talk. And communication is much more important than getting the right words. Now, some blind and people get upset about them. I think you should be sensitive to that if you pick it up. Yeah. But just talk, communicate, don't worry about it. Thank you. Um, Mike, you, you've mentioned several times, um, and it comes out of you in so many ways, about you being a, a strong Christian. I, I wonder, as you reflect back on your life, how has being a Christian helped you to deal with your, your, blind, uh, your blindness, with, with all the, the, the many challenges that's brought? How, how has your Christian faith helped you in that process? So I lost my sight when I was eight. And I wasn't a Christian. So I've been a Christian as a blind person. So I don't really know that the, being a Christian has helped me as a blind person, particularly. It's just helped me as a person. Mm -hmm. uh, and not, that can be, when, when I first became a, a Christian uh, last year of school, I could not get a Bible. I could get bits of it, but I couldn't get a whole Bible. And it's, it was huge. So that was a frustration. And, but 
Uh, I did get given an old King James version then by a lady and I be, uh, read it one volume a week. I, I realised that having missed out on Sunday school and so forth, uh, I was really behind on the knowledge of the Bible. So I read a volume a week and God fed it into my head. Uh, praise God for that. Mm -hmm. So God has used the tools that I use, like Braille and computers and things. But I don't think, I think being a Christian helps you with all the traumas of life and the joys of life. Mm -hmm. Edith and I often reflect on how we would cope with certain situations if we didn't know Jesus. Um, Edith went through breast cancer back now 18 years ago. I don't know how we'd have coped with that um, without knowing God. Mm. Uh, we've, there have been other ups and downs in life. Um, uh, but to, one thing that God does promise us is that he's with us. It doesn't take away the, the problems, although he, there are answers to prayer, and I can really tell you about a, lot of, a number about those, but um, he's with us. And that's the most important thing to me as a Christian, not the theology or the theories or anything like that, not even the church, although that's important and I'm a church leader. No, it's that God is with me, Jesus. Like my friend Pete said, and I, right at the start of my Christian journey, um, I could see it made a difference to him and I know it makes a difference to me. Mike, thank you. This has been a fascinating and beautiful conversation. Um, I bless you for uh, being willing to open up in that way. And um, thank you on my behalf and for whoever else ends up listening to this. Thank you. Thank you. For them too. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us in Sight Loss 101. For more information on Torch, call... 01858 438 260